Let me just read this, Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. If someone has a modern translation, uh, give me a, <clears throat> your Bible and let me read 61, 1 to 3. <clears throat> okay, we got it here. Now, 61, 1 to 3, Jesus quotes this in the synagogue. And they look at him, who is this quoting this thing? 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord hath anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I've experienced that. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. Yeah. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. And splendid clothes instead of despair. That they will be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord to glorify him. What a passage. Wow. Thank you. That's what the Lord will do in your life and through your life. Wants to do that. Wow. Um, okay. I think we've done that one. <clears throat> uh, hmm? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I want to um, <clears throat> share with you uh, the habit that will change your life. <clears throat> I got an email. I, I should have brought my uh, my iPad with me. <clears throat> I got a I got a letter from a missionary, and when I got it, <clears throat> I began to cry. She said, "You spoke at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro to all our missionaries in Tanzania and Kenya <clears throat> in '72." And you emphasize the power of memorizing key verses of Scripture. Uh, she said, I started memorizing. And I memorized 200 verses that I could quote. And I was learning Swahili. And, and I began to put those verses into Swahili. And they were even better in Swahili. They were more... Uh, more powerful in, in the, native, the language of the people around me. And I was working with some kids, 10, 11, 12, 14. And I got them memorizing Scripture. And almost all of them memorized at least 100 verses in Swahili. And God began to change their life, and they witnessed to their parents, and the parents got saved. By the way, I don't know that there are any collegiates here, when you go home, your parents gripe at you because you leave your clothes on the floor and you never gas up the car and you never wash anything and you never do anything at home. I suggest what I, when I worked with Campus Crusade, what I told college students to do, make a list of the 10 biggest gripes your parents have about you. You don't go home and tell them about Jesus. They expect you to pick up something nutty from university anyway. So you don't go tell them about Jesus. You start doing what they've griped at you for 10 years not doing. And your mother will say, what's happened to you? 
And you say, well, it's a secret, Mom, but I, I'll tell you if you've got 10 or 15 minutes sometime, she'll ask you for that time. And you tell her about how you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and give her the gospel gently and lovingly. And she said, don't tell you no more. You say, oh, I won't. You ask me. I won't tell you the rest of the secret. <laughs> she'll ask you again. <laughs> and she'll, you know, sometimes to our son, he's got religion. Well, that's all right. you got religion. I guess that's okay. As long as it doesn't cost me anything. But he's changed. You notice he washed your car? You notice he carried out the trash? Did you notice he filled the thing up with gas? Hey, that is a miracle, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you, uh, and many times you can win your parents. When your life changes, people notice on the job, at home, with the neighbors. Christianity is life change. It, it's not an hour on Sunday. That's the frosting on the cake. It's the daily life. It's picking up the neighbor's trash. It's bringing the dog back to the neighbor. They hadn't found it, and you saw it on another street and got it in the car, and you took it back to the neighbor. They don't forget things like that. And our goal was to win every neighbor in whose home we could get in. We invited the neighbors all to our home. We sent them a card, come uh, and, and, and eat some, some uh, cake and have something to eat with us. Uh, just drop by uh, for Christmas. And three or four of the neighbors came. And little Martha, my first child, quoted the, God, the, the Christmas story from Luke. She memorized those 20-some-odd verses, and she, she gave the Christmas story. And uh, our church uh, used to buy fruitcake from Georgia. Uh, the Colleyville stuff is great stuff, but the stuff from Georgia uh, is horrible. And I would, we'd average getting about 10 pounds of that uh, Christmas. And we would freeze it and then eventually throw it away. Uh, <laughs> so we served Claxton fruitcake to all our guests. They never want to come back. Anyway, <laughs> but my brother sent me a, a Texas cake from Colleyville or something in the shape of the state of Texas. And, man, we served that one. And they did like that one. Of course they did with all the pecans in it. And uh, so, but aren't. Our neighbors came into our home. You want to reach your neighbor? Give their kid a birthday party. You want to reach the guys? Say, I'm having hamburgers at one. Would you come over? Grill hamburgers for him. Nice, thick babies with, with plenty of good old Texas sauce on it and stuff like that. I had... Lost men coming to my house. I was living it up. I was loving every bit of it. And I led many of them to Christ. I led the carpenter to Christ across the street. His wife made pottery. Well, my, 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 my bride was getting uh, tired of me being home writing. She said, you've got to get out somewhere. Get out where I got some peace. Get out and, and take a course. So I took a course in pottery as a newly married guy. Two, two nights a week at the high school. 
with slip and, and you set the pottery and you flip that and you pump the wheel and you go around and you try to keep it from falling in on you and all of that stuff. And I did that. And she had a kiln across the street. Wow. And it was wonderful. And, and, and he was a cement contractor. Well, we needed sidewalks. I had him bid on it. And I told him how the lowest bid, and he bid one dollar below that, and he got the contract. And and he's my neighbor, and I'm going over talking about pottery and everything. And I said, if I could make a, uh, a little pottery, what could I? What what it cost to get in the kiln and get it cooked? She said, you're our neighbor, no problem at all. Come on in. They were both tall, good-looking uh, guys uh, in a second marriage, and and my son went over. Bruce, who was 10 and won the nine-year-old boy to Christ using the little wordless book. I taught my kids to witness. Why not? They witnessed to the kids in the neighborhood. I witnessed to their parents. That's the way that we play the game. And, uh, and if they're old enough to be saved, they're old enough to witness. And uh, so the boy came to Christ, and Mr. Cement calls me on the phone. I call my neighbors by their whatever they do. Mr. Cement called me on the phone. He said, Brother Moore, uh, our kids made some kind of religious decision. Could you come over and talk to us about it? I said, I'd love to. And I took my Bible and I took some tracks over there. And an hour later, Mr. and Mrs. Cement were moving toward heaven. And, and they were all three baptized together. And then they had a little daughter that and two years later, she came to Christ. And, uh, and I got, had all the Kim I could uh, she, I could use all the chem that, I'm firing tomorrow. I said, I got to quick, make something quick, get it in. And um, so I'd get it in the chem. She said, I could take six or seven pieces in there. And, uh, and they were precious neighbors, wonderful neighbors. And then down the street, down the street, this young couple, and they had their baby the time I was in the waiting room for my third child to be born, and so was this guy. I found he lived two blocks away. Now, my mother-in-law came when our babies came to help my wife, which was wonderful. And, uh, but they didn't have the, any mother to do that. And they didn't have any food or thing. And the, our people were just giving us full meals, two or three full meals a day. We couldn't even keep it all in the refrigerator. So we started taking it down to this family. And in two weeks, I led the whole family to Christ. It was wonderful. Then I baptized the boy that was the age of my handicapped son that was born, damaged by DPT shot. He was mentally five years of age, and he passed away with a brain hemorrhage at 28. And everything we did for 28 years, we did as it affected our, our little son, our son Paul. Uh, but I began to reach my neighborhood. But be, be neighborly. Where'd, where'd neighborly go? We're too busy. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't take garbage cans in uh, this past week. Across the street. They got two grown sons. They're working. And they leave the garbage can out. I beat them to it, and I took it right in, put it against the garage. And then they knew I did it. So when I got ready to leave, I had two garbage cans out there. And they didn't come because of the holiday, you know, on Martin Luther King Day. They didn't come all week. And so I left them out, and I, I called them up. I said, could you bring them in next time they do it? When you would bring yours in, would you slip mine across? They said, sure, no problem. We've got to reach the people around us. 
And so one of the powerful things this missionary said, the 14-year-old grew up and at 20 he planted a church. And he discipled the people and they planted another church that planted another church. For that one guy planted 20 churches and he memorized 500 verses of scripture. He said he died recently from TB, tuberculosis, and we hated to lose him. But she said, the scripture memory that you laid on us changed our whole missionary life. And the nationals planting churches is what it's all about. And she said, I just want you to know, because you didn't know all this, I want you to know what God did just when you began to memorize Scripture. I think I told some of you yesterday, uh, I took a course on evangelism at Southwestern Seminary, and half of the grade was memorizing 300 verses of Scripture, and I didn't memorize enough verses, and I flunked the course. And I went to Chicago at a convention, went over to Pacific Garden Mission, I got a uh, they let me stay there, and I, be, I met some men who were mighty with God, and one named Dennis Snell, who had jungle rot on his feet from uh, being in the jungle World War II. Uh, Dennis, out of his mouth came the Word of God, and he was loving and tender and gracious. He, he just was the nicest guy I've ever met. And I said, How, what makes you tick, Dennis? He said, I spent a couple hours a day in the Word and prayer and hide God's Word in my heart. I said, a couple of hours? Where'd you go to seminary? What's that? He said. He didn't go to seminary. He just had gone to Jesus. <laughs> Woo! And I said, well, I don't like to memorize Scripture. He says, it's changed my life. So finally I said, okay, Dennis, I want to memorize. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You go up and ask God. And if God wants you to memorize, then God, I'm not going to be your baby, uh, spanker. And And so... If, if, you, well, if God's leading you to memorize, okay. Uh, then you tell me and I'll get you started. Are you aware there are four verses to meet the first four attacks of Satan? If all you know is those four verses and your children know those verses, you've equipped them for, for some great victories. What are those four verses? 1 John 5, 11, and 12, assurance of salvation. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Where you have assurance of salvation. Uh, assurance of victory. Victory over sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. For every fire of temptation that Satan tries to trap you, Jesus has a fire escape waiting where you get out of that burning building and, and, and go on. Uh, uh, assurance of forgiveness, your sin, that's not the end of it. Name the sin. If we confess our sin, the word confess means to agree with God, to call sin what God calls sin. As one woman asked her pastor, pastor, does we confess them as we does them or does we bunch them? <laughs> Listen, you confess them as you does them. Don't you bunch them. Otherwise, you'd say, Lord, I had a bad day. Forgive me of my sin. But you don't repent. But you name that sin, and you do it ten times. You confess it ten times. You're going to get tired of confessing and want to get victory. It's because we never name the sin. We just lump it all together. I've been a meanie today, God. <laughs> no, name the sin. And, and you'll get tired of it. You'll want victory over it. You know, I had a bad sin. 
I love to read historical novels. And everyone had a chapter with a bedroom scene in it. The pirate finally captured this beautiful gal. Or uh, the pilot uh, got the stewardess in Acapulco. And overnight, blankety blank. And the Spirit of God began to convict me of that. I love to read history. And uh, I, I, I like history. I like great biography and so forth. But I had to admit I was reading some of, the, some of those books because I knew the author had one or two bedroom scenes in every book. And when I got honest with myself, I had to confess lust through books. And I had to make a commitment that I would never read another book or watch a movie with my eyes open or anything on TV without changing it that involved any kind of bedroom scene. If it was moving toward the bedroom, I flipped channels, waited about three minutes, and it would be over. <clears throat> or occasionally, if I'm trapped with a James Bond or one of those things, we close our eyes, my, my son and I, and we put our fingers into our ears where we don't hear, and we count to 100 slow to get it over. Do you want to be holy? You want to be pure? There's nothing little about any sin. I can say through the grace of God, I've never read another chapter in any book in 30 years. I'm in it. I got enough problems without anything like that. You have a besetting sin, something that only you and God know about. He knows, I'll tell you. Everywhere you go, he goes. Everything you do with your body, he does. You're doing it with the body of Jesus. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's literally true. There are at least five other verses that say exactly the same thing. Colossians 1, 27, uh, and, and verse after verse after verse, I can give you. You've been invaded by Jesus Christ. And he comes in and he sticks like glue. Anything you're involved in, he's involved in. We can't afford to hurt our Savior. You have a temper problem. You have a judgmental problem. It's sin. And you're infecting Jesus with it where he can't break through and give you the blessings that you need for you and your children and your family. We need to repent and cry to God and maybe be accountable to someone else. Where I, I would tell my wife, honey, if I begin to talk real loud, give me the finger where I can talk quietly. I, just, I have a, a voice that doesn't need a loudspeaker. In fact, my best friend called me on the phone. He said, you hurt my secretary. You got angry and yelled at my secretary. I said, I asked her where you were. I, I have no reason to get angry with her. She said, you need to call and apologize to her. I said, what's her number? I called, apologized. She said, well, thank you very much. I accept your apology. <clears throat> A week later, another guy said, you yelled at my secretary. <laughs> oh, you need to call and apologize to her. I said, what's her number? <clears throat> <laughs> 
I apologized to her, and she said, thank you for calling. I really appreciate your honesty. Uh, uh, I said, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? And then someone called. Is this Dr. Moore? And I said, yes, this is Dr. Moore. <laughs> she said, did I get you awake? Did I waken you? How are you going to win? If you talk quietly, they think they woke, woke you up. I don't know what to do. More Dr. Pepper. Don't call secretaries. That's all right. You bet. All right. Now, I want to share with you four or five reasons why memorizing Scripture is, will revolutionize your life. To meet trauma and crisis in life. Psalm 115.3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. I got a telephone call. My wife was sobbing. She said, Paul's had a brain hemorrhage. Get home as quick as you could. I took the first plane. I could get at 6 in the morning. A staff member picked me up, took me to the hospital. I walked into the room. And my third son was breathing his last. My daughter, my wife, who was a pediatrician, <laughs> put a stethoscope on his chest and said, he's gone. She turned and said, I felt the first heartbeat when he was delivered and handed to me when he was born. And I've just heard his last heartbeat. And the Lord gave me some verses that I'd already memorized, and he began to flood that room. Here's some verses for trial. By the way, on my website, mentoring-disciples.org, I have my hundred favorite verses on 30 different topics. And here's some of those verses for trial. Isaiah 49, 15, and 16. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee, saith the Lord. Behold, I've graven thee on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. The Lord wasn't asleep when my son had a brain hemorrhage and, and died. Then Isaiah uh, 63, uh, 9. In all their affliction, God was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bore them and he carried them all the days of old. You jump right into God's arm and he's carrying you while this thing is happening to you. That's how near you are to him. And Jeremiah 31, 3, For I, the Lord thy God, hath appeared of old unto thee, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And there are many other verses, but those three, I began to quote them in the room as Bruce, uh, that little Paul's body turned white and he was gone. And you see, you memorize before the crisis and you beat the crisis with the power of God. See? Why memorize scripture? Jesus did. Now, Jesus did a lot of things. He walked on water. If you want to try that, walk on water. But if you have trouble walking on water, he also memorized Scripture. 
And may I suggest you start there with him. Uh, save the walking on water till you're around a boat some, somewhere and, and you've got a good skimmer on or something like that, or, or water wings, okay? Jesus modeled memorizing Scripture, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, in Matthew 4, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus quotes uh, from, from some 16, uh, 16 books, uh, in, 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 there in Matthew. Uh, why memorize scripture? For victory over sin. You learn this in vacation Bible school. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.11. For victory over sin. Uh, <clears throat> for witnessing power. Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. For witnessing power, for guidance. What do I do? Psalm 119, 103. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. One verse of Scripture, pen light. Ten verses of Scripture, flashlight. Hundred verses of Scripture, car light. Thousand verses of Scripture, stadium bank of lights. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 37, 31 and other, other passages here. Now how to memorize. <clears throat> First is your attitude. I can do all things through Christ except memorize. Oh, pardon me. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You memorize the keys and what's, what the keys are. You memorize your house number. You memorize where the canned goods are. You know where the Campbell's soup is at that supermarket where you go. You know exactly which aisle to go down to get the soup. Or, or where the meat is. Is it on the left side or right side? All that kind of stuff. You, you know you know, you, you memorize it. Uh, you know it's in one of your purses, you're at least your, uh, you don't know which purse, but you, you know it's in one of them, whatever you're looking for. Uh, the attitude, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ. Then read the verse in its context. Read the verse around it. A verse of Scripture is a hamburger patty. The verses around it are the pickles, relish, mustard, mayonnaise, ketchup, and lettuce. And the verses around it give it flavor. You can eat that hamburger patty, you know, just, just that, and, uh, and be on the Atkins diet. Or you can add the other stuff with it, you know. Uh, read the context. And you read the verse thoroughly, and you glue the reference to the first word of the verse. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13, uh, 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 I can't. Always glue the reference to the first word of the verse. Say it to the first punctuation mark and end with a reference. So you're learning a verse, a phrase at a time, starting always at the first. Just a phrase at a time. And you can learn, you can learn a whole chapter. When my, when my son passed away, the word was there. When my wife passed away, <clears throat> One of her favorite psalms I quoted. I didn't do that yesterday, did I? Psalm 116. <clears throat> I love the Lord 
because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrow of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all its people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. 900 B.C. David. Testimony. This part of mine can be part of yours. Uh, one other thing. When I was in Chicago for a convention, I went to Pacific Garden Mission. I told you about meeting Dennis Snell and beginning to <clears throat> memorize scripture. And uh, I didn't have any money. My father had died. My mother was in a mental institution with a nervous breakdown from the death of my father. <clears throat> and Harry Salnier had said, uh, you, you can uh, work, you can trust the Lord for everything you need. And I said, oh, well, 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 sure. So I was getting uh, food and I was getting a place to stay. And I was uh, working, I was witnessing, I was handing tracts out and things like that uh, in front of the mission. And, uh, but I had hitchhiked and walked a long distance, those thousand miles to Chicago. And my shoe soles were wearing out. And suddenly I awakened and there was holes in my shoes and I put some cardboard in, and it rained, the cardboard melted. And not only did I have holy shoes, I had holy socks. And I said, i got to do something about this. So I went to Sears down the street and found I could get a pair of little foam rubber shoe soles that you glue, glue on the bottom of your shoes. They would maybe last a month or something like that. And, and so uh, it would only cost 15 cents. But I didn't have 15 cents. I began to pray. I started to memorize John 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. John 16, 24. And I suddenly realized that verse says I can ask anything in his name, and I'm working full time. There's no other place I can get any money. And so it took me three days to believe God was worth 15 cents. <laughs> Remember, it isn't how much you pray. It's when do you believe God for that prayer. Not did you ask it, did you quote it, but when did you take that step of faith to believe God? And so I said, Lord, I'm going to, I thank you. Somewhere or other you can give me the shoe soles. Well, I told some guys that 
uh, I'd been to Sears and that God was going to give me some shoe soles, and I was trusting him for that. That afternoon, a guy came and uh, from the mission. He'd been an alcoholic, and uh, uh, he stuck a package in my back pocket. I said, what are you doing? He said, I want an investment in your size 12s. And in there was that, was that shoe sole with a little tube of glue. I said, well, thank you, Ray. I, good night. He said, I, I said, I didn't tell you for you to tell me anything. He said, I know. I, God just told me to get it for you. So that night I went up and I read the instruction, put on a layer of glue, let it dry, put another layer of glue, popped those shoe soles down on it, found some kiwi polish and shined up my shoes. The next morning I went down the stairs and I was walking on John 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. John 16, 24. I was walking on the word. I went in, set up to the library, propped my feet up, and began to read the Bible. Superintendent of the mission came by and said, uh, Hey, Dr. Moore, I said, Yes. He said, uh, Those shoes you got on, they look awful, awful, I said. Well, the only thing good about them were the shoelaces and the shoe soles. Everything else was lagging, dragging, and sagging, you know. He said, Look, you go upstairs and get you a draft for $10. I've called up there. I want you to get a new pair of shoes. You can go down Skid Row down here for about 8 or $9. You can get a pair of leather shoes that you can wear. Well, he gave me the, the invoice for the thing for $10, and I, uh, that connected with this uh, store down there. And I went down there, found a pair of shoes, leather shoes, for $7.98. And I gave $2.02 tithe back to the Lord. I asked the Lord for shoe soles. He gave me shoes. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Will you walk out and make that step to start your scripture memory? On my website, I've got my hundred favorite verses. The navigators have the topical memory system. Uh, uh, you can get the, the memory pack with just those uh, four verses in it uh, or, uh, and get started. And I said, do it with the husband and wife, if possible. Do it with your children. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.